Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment. This week we have our guest, Steve Hernandez. Thank you so much for being with us. And Jim Parkin and myself, Ashley Chandler. Well, right on. All right. Welcome, man. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. I've been trying to get this put together for a while. Yeah. But you're doing quite a bit of traveling these days. So it's, I am. I am. So, it's been difficult. Yeah. A lot, is it? A lot um, of... It, it, it's, it's periodic, right? It's, right? it's some months, it's more than others. It's, it's where the problem is, where the clients are, where the yeah. business development is. Gotcha. You know, where the conferences are. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Vegas has been one of those a lot this past year, which I, I, I really don't like that place. Vegas? Yeah, but the entire security industry thrives on its conferences in Las Vegas. Right on. So you were, tell us about your, your military career. Yeah, so um, so I was a pretty troubled kid, <laughs> right? And uh, I knew when the towers came down that I was going to join. Okay. Um, I knew September 12th. Well, really, September thirteenth, two thousand one, that I was going to join the military when I graduated. Okay. Um, I was in eighth grade when the towers came down. That was my driving force, right? And then I watched, you know, the the years leading up to me graduating, the the casualty rate and and the wars and uh, in both Afghanistan and Iraq and how they how they spurred and. You know, just the rate of casualty was so high. Right. And I walked into a recruiter's office in 2006, and I said, how do I join the infantry? And they said, right here, sir, sign. <laughs> and that was what I did. Um, I joined the infantry. I, I left, uh, went through what's called OSINT, uh, one right. yep. training, um, at Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, I left January 4th, so four days before my birthday. Um, I was in 30th AG and. Sand Hill in, in uh, Fort Benning um, on my birthday, and it was quite the experience. There was not birthday cake and presents and love like there normally would be. No, I no, no. That. There was yelling and, and blood and, and more yelling and some more yelling after, you know, that. After the yelling, yeah. It was, it was an experience, <laughs> right? I remember, I remember pulling in to Fort Benning on the bus, and I'm like, what did I do? Because there's, like, right. kids that are fighting to get to the back of the bus because they don't want to be the first one off the bus. Oh, you know, dude. There's just drill sergeants lined up. But it's cool. You know, I mean, you... It's cool after. Yeah. It's not in that yeah. first moment. I mean, I, I, I had a 60-pound, a 40-pound rucksack on, you know, six months leading up to going. Like, I was in the woods every day. Like, I mean, I was... You were all in. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. what I wanted to do with my life. Um so, yeah, then uh, I graduated April 17th of uh, 2007 from OSINT, and then there was a guy standing next to me, um, and he goes, uh, I'm going to volunteer to go to Iraq because they were coming down going, who wants to skip orders and who wants to go straight to a deployable unit? So the guy next to me is like, well, I do. So I was like, well, I can't let you go by yourself. So we <laughs> ended up getting separated. Um, he ended up... Uh, 
he ended up going on and doing some other things in 10th Mountain. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I ended up in Iraq June, well, it would have been, would have been June 1st. So I graduated April 17th from basic training, and I was in Iraq by June 1st. Man. Crazy. Yeah. So 17 and a half weeks of training, um, which they didn't even, I don't even think I touched like night vision or anything when I was in basic training. So it's a funny <laughs> story, right? So I get to Iraq June 1st. I'm, I'm super blessed in the sense where I get thrown into a reconnaissance platoon with guys that have been together for three yeah, or four years. Yeah. Right. They were all guys that got DUIs up in Ranger Battalion and got kicked down the hill, down to the infantry unit. Right. <laughs> but they're like some of the most squared away dudes yeah. you ever work with. Right. Um, awesome soldiers, great tacticians, you know, because Ranger Battalion puts a lot of effort into training their guys. Yeah. So we, um, I get there, and of course, I'm, I'm back on the low end of the totem pole. I'm the new guy. <laughs> so, you know. Right. A few months uh-huh. earlier, I was dealing with the same thing. So I'm carrying water containers and I'm doing, you know, front back goes and the gravel because uh, they're they're just, you know, it's a hazing ritual, right? I mean, it's what we do to the new guy. Um, but I remember I'm on my first mission in this platoon, like a couple weeks into it, right? And, and it was kind of like sink or swim, <laughs> but it was yeah. it wasn't like right. joining a football team. Like if you sink, it's it's probably going to be you know your legs or your arms or something. Or, you know, something right. bad happening. But I'm on this operation, and I couldn't figure out how to turn my night vision up oh, and down. So I'm running through an entire mission with blurry night vision. And, uh, you know, I just look back on that, and I, I laugh now. But I ended up the entire half the mission, right, I had my night vision down, and I'm using my, my laser, my IR laser, to mm-hmm. raise targets um, as we're clearing through houses and stuff. And I'm like, man, I can't see out of these things. Like, they didn't teach me that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you. So I mean, you look back on it, and it's and it's funny. I've I've told that story to like departments and agencies that we've trained and stuff. And I'm like, you know, the little stuff matters, right? Like when you're hitting a door, you're hitting a building, and you know, you're you're going low light, and that night vision. And I mean, you know, I mean, that's everything. So it it was a transition to honestly back then. Like I think guys are way better trained now. Like it was a war, right? I mean, it was a war, and if you talk to guys in any war, right, it's just go and do it, yeah. right, and just show up, mm-hmm. and just be a good dude, you know. And which, which is, I would say, most of like what's necessary. Like right. you want that heart to it, but yeah. you don't want to. If you can have them really well trained, then they'll. I feel like a little bit more better. Success right. <laughs> what's yeah. crazy though is then you step out of that world, right? Even for me, so I was in the army in kind of like the the Cold War era. I mean, yeah. Desert Shield and Storm happened. And some little dust-ups, like I think Mogadishu happened, all that stuff. But nothing like a substantial, sustained war, like is still currently going on. But even with us, getting out and then being around people that aren't squared away and have no attention to detail. And like in my case, when they get in our the bag, the medic bag that's in the rig, and they use an IV needle, but they don't replace it, you know, that to me, that's huge. That's like now I might not be operational because you were lazy at the end of your shift, <laughs> you know. And it's just I'm just glad we're still friends, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm an accountant because <laughs> it's all fixable. <laughs> so it's in. I don't know. We all need accountants. Oh, uh, we all. <laughs> but so okay, so you're in. Yep, I'm in Iraq. I was there for one year. Um, you know, again, super blessed. Like I, I got to give 
glory to God on this. Like, I, I could have got thrown into a line unit, um, a regular infantry unit, mm-hmm. and I would not be where I am professionally today. Okay. I had some of the best special operators teaching us young guys what we knew for a year. That's awesome. You know, and, and, it, and it really, so I was part of a high-value target interdiction team. Um, so our job was to go after Al-Qaeda in Iraq. So we were given, like, the target packets that, like, Delta Force or what we call CAG, Combat Applications Group, like the target packets they didn't want or the ones they hit that were dry holes, mm-hmm. we'd go re-hit those target packets. Um, and it was interesting because I learned a lot about intelligence, which led me into the career that I'm in now. I learned a lot about intelligence collection and analysis, how to, you know, target identification. That's cool. How to manipulate the the information into taking that information and turning it into a product where you can now go execute on on a high value target. Wow. Um, And that, you know, that led me into my job today, which I'll talk about. But that's, uh, I really got to say I was super lucky because I don't think I'd be professionally where I am today, you know, the CEO of a global security and intelligence firm. Um running operations on multiple continents, you know, talking to folks around the world. I mean, I'm sitting outside of here and I'm talking to a guy in Johannesburg about armored vehicles and getting armored vehicles to the U.S. from Johannesburg. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, right? Like, yeah. you look back on it and I was like, man, remember when I couldn't figure out how to work my night vision? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yes. you know, it's so good. Yeah. It, but, but it's, it's crazy. So I come back, um, you know, I was dealing with a lot of back issues when I came back, dealt, dealt with some stuff on deployment, you know, um, it, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough year, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, I wore it on my sleeve for a long time and, uh, yeah, I came back and I, I got, I transitioned to Fort Knox and then I transitioned out, went through a brutal divorce, um, really wore what I saw in war on my sleeve and, and let that kind of, uh, you know, beat me up. And I, I have to give credit to my father-in-law, right? There was a changing moment when I wanted to marry his daughter. And he said to me, he said, stop letting Army Steve be your identity, right? And I was like, wow. man, you don't know me. <laughs> don't tell me what to do, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but yeah. it was He's like. right, you got to do something about it. It was you know? like, man, this guy's got some wisdom. I don't know, this, but it, it changed my life. Um, those words right there, because what I had looked at myself was I was letting, I was like every other, you know, veteran stricken with PTSD or TBI or, you know I mean? Because the things we see in war, war is hell. Um, you know, dead kids, dead friends, you name it. I mean, the injuries and stuff, that's just the name of the game, but it's it's losing your friends and and you know, losing friends you went to basic with, hearing hearing through the grapevine that so-and-so got shot and so-and-so lost his legs. And it's like, you know, and then we have this culture about us where we just don't talk to each other. Right. Like we meet friends and we just like purposely don't pursue talking and being friends because it's just, we just want to walk away from it. Like I've got maybe two people I talk to from my days in the army still. Um, yeah, I've met so many people along the way, right? So I guess that's not true. But it, there's two people that I deployed with that I still talk to. Okay. Um, you know, the rest are dead. And that's a, you know, that's just a, a fact of it. You know, I, I, I was sitting in my office the other day reading the news about, you know, and, and love the U.S. government, what they're doing with the Taliban and everything. But it's like, wow. 
Like, we're really going to strike a peace deal. <laughs> but then just over the weekend, and put a hit them. on them. Yeah. But, you know, when you're seeing it, you're like... <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. You know, I mean, so there's so much to that topic, right? There's so much about, you know, war and it, and it's... We could spend 20 hours sitting here talking about yeah. that and yeah. what it does. You know, I, I think for me, it was... I, I had to... When I came back, I had to find my passion again and then make that my purpose. And that's what led me into entrepreneurship. That's what led right. me into, like I tried the whole, I want to be a cop thing for a while. And I was like, that's not for me. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm really going to end up in trouble if I do this. <laughs> Cause that's just, it wasn't for me. Um, well, and for me knowing you as little as I do, but knowing you were at the sheriff's office and immediately after a couple interactions, I'm thinking this dude is levels higher than that place. It's just, I don't see this working out. Yeah, that was an issue, man. Like, uh, I tried to do so many things while I was there for the short time to, because I had so much and it was funny. Like I remember I'm on, I'm on four AB, which is the, the floor there where the guys are the super dangerous guys, all the bad guys. And they're the guys, the deputies are looking at me like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just want to try it out. <laughs> I just want to check it out. You know, business got slow for, you know, a year. So I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. And, uh, we got married and had a kid on the way. And I was like, man, I need to pay for that kid to be delivered. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I was, how's, how's that, how's that, how's that work? Right. I was like, cause the army used to handle that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? You know, that's the other thing real quick is, is the military has a tendency to set guys up for failure because by handling everything for you. Oh my gosh. Three (laughs) hots and a cot, Uh you know, your meals are covered, your per diem, your rent. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, I left mom and dad to go back to mom and dad. That's for sure. (laughs) The other mom and dad had a lot more money than the first mom and dad. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and they took really good care of me. And then when you leave, it's like, I don't know how to rent a house. You mentioned that even with like money and stuff. You just had no idea what to do. I didn't know about payments. There's pros and cons to that because I feel like as a non-military citizen, like, dude, take care of all this other crap that they should have to deal with so they can go on deployment and not have to do any of that. But maybe the flip of that, maybe have a little bit more of that training before you send them loose. I mean, I don't. Well, I I think there's something to be said about that because, you know, it's, I occasionally have to take what we call a combat pause, right? Where I just, in life, where I just step back. Like, I'll be totally honest, last couple of weeks in business has been just crazy rough. Like, figuring out, I mean, doesn't matter how big you get, there's always new struggles. Yeah. And being able to step back and go, well, at least I know how to work my night vision. Right? I got to go back to that, right? Like, yeah. like it could be worse. Right. I could be in Iraq with night vision. I don't know how to work. Or I could be, yeah. I right. could be in Africa you know, with my failed satellite phone and my GPS not working and with the client that I'm protecting and, you know, us under surveillance by bad guys and, you know, like all stuff that I've been in before where it's like, how do I, how do I survive this? But yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's just a, that's a, really good though. It's, there's good. a piece like where you just have to come and realize where you've been and then use that. And I'll say that's what, you know, my father-in-law telling me those words st- and it really was hang your identity in God is what he was saying. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and it took me a while. It took me a while. I got saved here at the Freedom Center um, 2013. 
you know, and my life changed when I stopped trying to be, you know, gun ho elite army Steve who just, you know, tried to rely on that (laughs) because I was in a hole every other day mentally just trying to pull myself out of the carnage and the chaos. So I don't know. That's kind of, do you think with that said, do you think that kind of the way media and, and like the socials and all these different groups pin that label on veterans and on responders and all that stuff is, is detrimental to, to make it, to make it seem like all of us are so steeped in post-traumatic stress that we are just never going to be able to be the same again. I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I sit on the board of directors for the fallen and wounded soldier fund here in Michigan. And, and you know, they do a lot for veterans, all financial stuff. And one of the things we see is a lot of guys again with an identity crisis, right? Yeah. Is, is where, when, when society is conditioned to believe that you're a victim, you're going to be a victim. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't really have sympathy for guys that get out and, and like I hear it all the time. Well, how, how do you build a business? How do you do this? And I said, listen, man, you just have to commit, right? I think a lot of it is if you find your passion, you know, and make that your purpose, mm-hmm. you, you will succeed, right? Right. It, it's, it's all that hogwash that you hear. It's stigma and, and it's, and it's not that combat mindset that we're given, right? right. It, it's it's a weak mindset, but it's it's also the enemy getting in a warrior's mind, I believe, to to because what better group of people to attack? Yeah. Right. What better group of people to attack than the people that have given everything, than the people signed a blank check? Right. You know what I mean? So I think, but that's, even more so than going home and leading families and not having that compass, yeah, to know who you are right. and what you're doing. I mean. It, there's a huge impact in that. And, and I still catch myself. Like, I do. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no saint when it comes to this, right? Like, I still catch myself, you know, going, that's the direction I don't want to go. This is the direction I do want to go. Right. I mean, that's, that's – uh, and I think I'll deal with that for the rest of my life. Having been through and continuing to go through the things that I see every day and, you know, whether it's dealing with human trafficking or dealing with clients in the security industry or dealing with whatever, ISIS and Mozambique or mm-hmm. whatever we're involved in, whatever the companies do. I mean, there's things that we get thrown in and it's like, whoa, like I'm way deeper in it now than I ever was in Iraq in the army. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's finding that center and, you know. But now the, God's given you a position to be able to have influence yes. and authority. and. That's, I'm sure, pretty humbling and honoring in a way, too, to be able to think I have a participation in this to be able to make an impact in, in the world. Scary. Yeah. So scary. Yeah. Which then, I think, in a good way, calls us to rely back on God. Yeah. Because I'm going to just mess this up if I try to do it all in my own strength, you know? Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to know when that's happening, though. Like that's Fine the line, right? <laughs> right? That's the struggle because you know, you you know, you join the army, you do these things and and you know, there's always rock bottom somewhere. And I I, I don't think that success will ever change somebody. It's more perception. You know, like that was the point where I realized that it didn't matter how much money I made or what I did for a living, it was my perception on life and right. spirituality and how I took it in, you know, so now 
you know, I, I lose a client that's worth, you know, a half a million dollars. It's like, God did something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. like I, before it would have been like, holy cow. And now it's like, you know, when we're dealing with an issue or something doesn't go right, it's like, God's got this. Yeah. You know, and, and I wish that in my, in my early twenties and in my teens, like I, I, oh, I had been saved. Sure. Right. Cause I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'd be like 10 years ahead of where I am right now. That's all of us though. Right. That's yeah. all of us. It's yeah. that's crazy too. Cause like on the episode we did with Dina, I shared that like I got saved here as well, but in 15 and had been a medic in the city and, but it was not until I was actually baptized here. I go back to work on a Wednesday and it was the first time in at that point, like nine years that I had ever seen human, like humanity, like where I recognized there was humans in the city of Flint. Yeah. And, you know, like I'd say, my partner was like, dude, what? We're here every day. And I'm like, what's well, different now? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I don't, we've talked about it before in different episodes, like how do people do this without, without real, being able to rely on God? And people do. People have served entire military careers, you know. But it's just how they function and can they live enthusiastic lives away from that. Yeah, for me, it's always if I, without God, it's I'm going to fail at some point. And how bad is that failure going to be? Right. Like, is it really completely going to destroy my life or destroy all my relationships or destroy my family? Like it was always a fear of I got I got to perform and do everything like on point because I'm just going to screw it all up. But again, to be able to go back to like, but God, you have a plan for me and you have so much grace. I am going to screw up. I am going to fail. But we're just going to keep moving forward and it's going to be good, you know. And then that's where, you know, in the word it says, in all things, he works for our good, you know. So he's, right. not, he's not bounded by anything. And if we put it in his hands, he can be used for something incredible, you know. So it's, but yet we weren't designed to see half the things that we do, like we talked about in the last episode, you know. Right. But at the same time, then we do. And so then we have to rely on God. You mm-hmm. know? I will say this what's cool to see is like with your business. And so many guys, you know, as a, like I said, I went in, went in the army in 90 and was out by 96. But to see this generation and, and, and now what's weird is guys that were in this current, this wars, these sustained wars we're in now are actually now fighting with their sons. Wow. Is how long we've been at it. But to see so many guys come out, have been in such deep stuff like you, Steve, but then now they have, you know, booming coffee companies and they have all this clothing and apparel stuff and they're just flourishing and just able to not just become victims of, of what the world wants post-traumatic stress to look like for them and, and just be successful and stuff. It's, it's cool to, cool to be able to see that. Yeah. And I, and I got to stress just the identity thing, right? Like when I got out of the army, in, in 2011, I got out April 21st, 2011. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to, like, I lost, I lost a part of me leaving. Oh, yeah. You know, like it, it, I guess for me and I, and I, I was at a bar, I, I was half a bottle into Jameson, a fifth into Jameson. Right. And I, uh, <laughs> And I asked the barmaid for a napkin, and I started writing a business plan. <laughs> and I wrote the entire North Group's vision and business plan on a bar napkin. 
I still have somewhere. You know, that was that was probably June of 2011. Um, and then from then on, I, I started getting phone calls from friends like, hey, man, I need you to go to Mexico. There's a kidnapping or, hey, you know, whatever the case was. And it, and it started to lead me into the executive protection side of the house. There was a lot of things we did that were – I worked with, you know, certain groups of folks, and, and we would go and we would do this job. we get paid sometimes cash, sometimes check. And I was like, hey, I can do this. Like, I can make good money in this industry. But I had a kid at the time, and I was leaving a lot yeah. between 2011 and 2012 uh, and a little bit into 2013. I was gone quite a bit. Didn't re- – like – I was more just kind of chasing the uh, the adrenaline side of it. Like, what can I do? Yeah. What trouble can I get in? What <laughs> you know? And that and that was and I was doing a lot of training then. Still, I was I was still trying to you know, I was trying to stand up another company I had at the time. Um, and then in in 2012, you know, I I really started to try to take a look at what am I doing. Um, and then 2013, I uh, I started working with another guy, and uh, and he said, "Hey, I want you to come in." And we took that company from I don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to you know four and a half million. That's awesome. And then three years ago, we transitioned everything we had, all of our companies, bought a couple other companies, and then transitioned it all over the North Group, which is what we have today. I never in a million years thought when I was getting out of the army that I would be as blessed as I am today. But I hit rock bottom in business twice before I ever made it here. And, and it's funny cause my wife's brought this up multiple times. Like, you know, there's a, a lot wrong with you, but your resilience is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like okay. your, your ability to get back up after being, and that was, that was always my thing was I, I always wanted a home. I mean, when I got out, first month I got out of the Army, I felt so alone because I couldn't find a job. Right. Like, everybody turned me down. And it it was almost like, you know, when I – great examples, when I went to the Sheriff's Department, I wrote entire proposals up for folks. And I was like, hey, you should do this. (laughs) And they're like, that's a great idea, but not here. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, cool. Is that it? You know, and that's when I decided, like, hey, I can't, like, I can't just come here every day and not be an innovator. Yeah. Right. I can't come here to yeah. not change the world. Yeah, that's good. You know, like, get up every day. This is what I tell guys, you know, when I talk to other veterans or entrepreneurs. It's like, get up every day and want to change the world, and you will. That's good. Get up every day and want to change the world, and you will. Get up every day and want to save a life. This year for Thanksgiving, my son Colton and I, instead of doing – um Thanksgiving at home or with family, I took him down to Detroit and we passed out food that my wife spent hours making. Um, And watching my son help the helpless, honestly, like, I don't even want to, I'm never going to do Thanksgiving with family again because that was the most rewarding experience that I've had in a long time was, and and that's, that's kind of our, our passion with our company, right? Is, you know, somebody said recently, your motto should be, um, you know, there's places in the world that you wouldn't want to go without us, but there's nowhere in the world that you couldn't go with us. And I was like, that's genius. 
That's good. Yeah. That's dope. And, and, and that's, and it's not because we're super high speed. There's a lot of companies out there. There's companies, competitors of ours that we work with every day that are great companies, great people. There's much skill, more skilled folks. It's just our attention to detail is a little bit different than everybody else. Like that's what kind of sets us aside in, the, in our market. That's cool. It's so cool. I will say though, for like the untrained eye, like for me, yeah. those of you that are living well, veterans that are living well, I don't even know. Like I don't I don't even know if you're struggling or not and stuff. So I think it's it's folks being intentional with family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, just providing that right. community and stuff. But community is definitely I mean, huge. It's a pride thing. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, there's it's a, bit a pride of that thing. Too. You know, and the greatest generation to use that is is the Vietnam generation, right? Yeah. I mean, because they nobody got it worse than them. Yeah. You know, World War Two guys came home; they didn't talk about it. Right. You know, they just they just didn't talk. Yeah. Um, Vietnam guys came home and felt like they weren't allowed to talk about it. Right. You know, now we came home and all we can do is talk about it. <laughs> you know, I I say right. that because you know you got guys like. Uh, Matt Bass, Nick Palma, shout out. I mean, these guys that have great podcasts and, and they do great, right? Mm-hmm. They bring veteran issues to the forefront. Right. Um, you know, Vince Vargas, Vince is a really good friend of mine. Uh, he runs our TN- TNG Utah office, actually. Oh, um, nice. So, you know, and, and it's funny because we talk about this all the time. Like, what do we do for the veteran community? And honestly, what I've, and this is going to, this might sound bad, is, you can't help everybody. There are guys that get out and they get into substance abuse and there's well, programs for that. Right. You know, there's, there's, and, and, but I tell people all the time, you know, you have to, you have to make your passion, your purpose, find a passion. If it's carpentry, find it. Right. You know, and get good at it, you know, but why well, I, I miss, I miss, you know, hunting bad guys. It's like, well, so do I. <laughs> You know, but yeah, there's there's a time though, right? There's a time where you got to drive on, and that's the thing though, because we're in a culture where there's a lot of currency in victimhood. Yeah, there's just tons of it. Yeah, and whoever's the biggest, who has the most traumatic stress, is is you know, and it's like almost this compare and the squeaky wheel. Like even even in my even in my world, there'll be people. Well, I've seen this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and And I'm like, I mean, same, but. There's a point where you gotta just either. Those are the folks that are still trying to like validate their pain and right. not willing to process it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's and like like you said, Steve. There's some people that you just can't help. Well, I, I think we lose focus when you know society starts to tell us one way to live. Right. You know, one way to think or, or this is what you should think or this is how, you know, and I think there's a stigma. I mean, I, I love the guys over at, you know, 22 a day, but that's a stigma. You know, I get that it's happening, but, you know, we we got to talk about the, the reasons why I'll give you I'll just give you my opinion. Why veterans killed themselves. It's money, women and fear. Typically. I mean, I, I, out, of, out of the nine guys I've known, one of those was a big factor. Okay. Fear of losing their home, which had to do with money. Fear of divorce, which had to do with their wife. Right. You know what I mean? You know, I don't know any female veterans that have killed themselves, but I, I know they're out there. I know they're out there in a staggering number. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And some of those have to do with sexual assault. Some of those right. have to do with different things that occur. You, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I think a lot of it is just being able to have a real conversation about your problems. Like some of the guys that I know that have taken their life were some of the hardest dudes that I've ever met. Like guys that would run into a gunfight head first, not care, you know, run onto a, a, you know, a school bus full of children and save their life with a bomb. I mean, like they just, they wouldn't care. Um, but when they got alone, when they were sitting in their house or they were sitting in their truck and that song came on, or that memory came in and their bank accounts low and their friends are not around. I mean, that's when the enemy shows up. Right. That's when, and I've been there. I've, I've been there. I've been at that point in my life where it's like, I have all these people around me, but I'm so alone. That's the scariest feeling in the world. Like I'd rather fight a thousand members of ISIS by myself you know, then have that feeling because you don't know how to, you don't know how to translate that into good. Right. And I guess what it was, was that comment from my father-in-law that changed my life. Stop hanging your right. Cause my, it was an identity thing. Right. I had this identity of this victimhood, like you said. Right. Mm-hmm. And when that clicked, that's when I started to see success in my life. That's when my life turned around. That's, and that's huge. And that's what, like, exactly what we're trying to do here, right? Yeah. Is just provide that kind of, that community, provide resource, and just an opportunity for people to come out of, out of, you know, police, fire, EMS world. Yeah. Guys coming home, veterans coming home, just an opportunity for a group of people that can just listen well. Well, you know, and, and I want to say this, right? You can still be a killer. You can still be deadly. You can still be a weapon. You can still have that mentality, right, and be a godly man. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, for a long time, I didn't think that was possible. I think all of us but, had that same thought. Right? But, but I still yeah. have that switch. I mean, I can flip that switch when I have to. When I go into work and I'm protecting a client, you come near my client, I'm going to rip your arms off. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that. There's, there's, you know, I'm still that guy, even as a CEO, that sits in front of a mirror, periodically draws my weapon 300 times just practices, just make sure I have that rhythm down still. I get in my car in my garage sometimes and just practice, you know, just practice like somebody's going to, I mean, I, what I'm saying is it's okay to still have that mentality, but not, you know, be this hard jerk walking around, you know, and and we all find ourselves because it's a mentality thing. You know, uh, there was a saying that I once heard about every man needs a woman to love a war to fight. And, and there was something else. I forget what it was. But, but when I heard that, I was like, whoa. That's, that's so accurate. real. Yeah. Right. Facts. <laughs> you know. Facts. <laughs> so. That's good. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Appreciate it. We're trying to do this year for going into 2020, a little bit more love for the veterans. Because working so closely with first responders, even though I am a veteran, I find myself getting kind of dialed in and laser focused. So. Well, I'll help you guys any way I can with the veteran side. You know, I, I think it's super important for me. My business gave me purpose, right? And I think a lot of guys, they're not cut out to work for the man. So veteran entrepreneurship is so important in today's world and to, today's yeah. culture. Like we we as a, as a society, as veterans, right, need to – if a veteran has an idea – you know, I, I tell guys all the time, come into my office, talk to me. That's good. Talk to me about what you want. 
like, and they're like, well, I don't, I don't have money, man. We can find money. There are people that want to invest in brilliance all over the place. Yeah. Right. You know, finding money is the lead. That's the thing I was talking with a guy in Johannesburg about. He's like, well, I don't know how to fund this. And I said, dude, we'll find the money. You know, there's people out there that want to fund innovation. So I tell guys all the time, if you have an idea, if you have a product, let's talk about it. Let's write a business plan. You know, let's figure if it can cash flow. Let's figure all these things out from a business standpoint, from an, you know, an ecosystem, if we can make it live and breathe. And, and, yeah. and I think that's super important. We should, you know, I, I go to these veteran business uh, conferences and fairs all the time, and I'm, like, looking for guys that, like, you know, have that sparkle. And I'm like, hey, yeah. we should be friends. <laughs> Let's talk nice. about this. Um, because I, it's simple business practice applied to a guy that knows how to take a mission and make it successful. Yes. Right. Holy cow. Yes. Watch out. It's go time. Get out of his way. Yep. Fantastic. That's so good. All right. Anything? You got anything? Closing thoughts, Ashley Chandler? That was so good. No? Enjoyed that. Right on. Again, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Freedom Center Church, for the space, the opportunity to record here. Yes, sir. You can hear the Morning After podcast on this same network and also Sunday service. Thanks for listening.